Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Hi, we're in this series looking at Joseph and his dreams and I wonder are you a dreamer and when you dream do you dream about um, what God could do for you or do you have some dreams about what God could do through you what kind of things God could do through you I think as I look at Joseph's life I see somebody who started out with a dream from God but he thought the dream was just for him he didn't realize that the dream was for something way bigger than just to being about him and that's the journey that God had to take him on as we've been looking at this series and this is a dream that I'm standing in the middle of right now um, some of you were there last year at the AGM, we've got one coming up soon, but the last AGM, we've been looking before that for a few months at this place and beginning an exploratory conversation about buying a sports and social club and this plot of land here in Cheadle Hume. And we asked you to pray about it because we were looking around, we'd be, after Kingsway we were saying, are there other places that maybe God would open up for us that we could do church in or even or be church in? Um, to, to look to use, to rent, to buy, and we've moved into academy during that time. But this is something that we felt God has kept on giving green lights for. We had an amazing meeting recently where we looked at the catalogue of things that God has done. There's just been green light after green light after green light to bring us to this place now where I'm standing and actually that we own this building. We own much of this land um, for 125 years. And I outlined at the last AGM and showed some pictures of this place and said that we were investigating, we were discussing buying it and a team of people worked really, really hard to be able to work with uh, various other organisations including Sport England and others and eventually to approach the Brockbank Foundation. The Brockbank Foundation which was set up um, using some money that was given as a legacy from the founder of Ivy, Oliver Brockbank to release some funds from there that enabled us to be able to buy the lease on this property um, for the next 125 years. Now 125 years ago Oliver Brockbank founded what became Ivy Cottage and um, yeah now we have this for the next 125 years. There's some God thing going on there. And we've been able to buy this land for the unbelievably low price from Stockport Borough Council of a thousand pounds a year for the next well, into the future, 125 years lease. So it's as if God knows. In this series, in our year of hope, we've been looking at Joseph's life and we know it's all about dreams. We know Joseph had those dreams when he was young and maybe you've got some uh, dreams. And he had questions about those dreams. I'm sure he would have at various points wondered, is this dream ever going to come true? And how could it come true? Especially when you see some of the lows on the journey that took place. It seemed at times when it was more like a nightmare, when his brothers stuck him into a, in, down into a pit, into a, a dry well, when they pulled him back out only to sell him out and sell him on to become a slave in Egypt. And there he ends up being falsely accused. He stitched up and lied about and ends up being in prison for many years. And then he he helps other people with their dreams in the prison, helps to interpret them and one of them promises that he'll never forget what he's done but he does forget what he's done and, um, and, and so he's still in this place two years on 
um, wondering if the dream will ever come true, but I believe that he kept on holding on to hope. I'm going to read to you now from Genesis chapter 41, the story. It came to pass, by the way, it always does, whatever it is, at the end of two full years, another two years, Joseph still in prison, having been falsely accused, that Pharaoh had a dream. He stood by the river, now that would be the Nile, and they thought the Nile was a god. Suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows. Isis, the goddess Isis, was represented as a cow. Fine looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine looking fat cows, so Pharaoh awoke. Then he slept and dreamed a second time, and suddenly seven heads of grain, by the way, they worshipped Osiris, who was the god of farming and crops. They came up on one stalk, plump and good. Then seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. And the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So, Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. It's like he just realised it was a dream. Now, it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men. And Pharaoh told him his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chief butler who'd been in prison with Joseph, he spoke to Pharaoh saying, I remember my faults this day when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, that was Potiphar, both me and the chief baker. We each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his dream. Now, there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted it for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. And he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream. There's no one who can interpret it. But I've heard it said that you can understand the dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, and this is important, saying, It is not in me, but God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So then Pharaoh tells him the dreams, and we go down to verse 25. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one, they're the same dream. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Because by the way, he's in charge, not you as the political leader, not all of these false gods. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated twice to Pharaoh because this thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. So get ready. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man. I wonder who Joseph thinks that could be. 
set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then let that food serve as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all of his servants. And he said, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there's no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all the people shall rule according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I've set you over the whole land. Quite a turnaround in a single day. And it happened because, believe it or not, there once was a time of incredible economic uncertainty. And people in various nations didn't know what to do about it. Even the supposedly most powerful leaders didn't have a clue at all. And the wise ones who were supposed to advise them and tell them what would happen when this happened had no idea what would happen. Aren't you glad that we don't need God these days to be able to figure these things out, that we can just sort it all out ourselves? Ha! Like I said, dreams can sometimes raise questions. What did it mean? Was, was the cows, did that mean there was going to be a, a bull market? The questions of the story raised in a time of financial economic uncertainty and international crisis beg some other questions like, who's in charge? Who's in charge of the economy? Who's in charge of wealth and poverty and nations? Who's in charge of history? Who's in charge of our lives? Who's in charge of making dreams come true? And the bigger question for Pharaoh and all of us is, who's God? Because as I've said, the Nile was worshipped as a God. Cows were worshipped as a God. Crops were worshipped as a God. And Pharaoh himself, they thought he was a God. He thought he was a God. He was meant to be the incarnation of Horus bodily on the earth. So he believes that he's a God. He is, the, yet he has this dream and he doesn't understand it at all. And it's only when he realised that when he woke up that he needed help with it. So he got all the magicians together and all of the spiritual people. But just because somebody's spiritual doesn't mean that they're actually hearing God. There's a difference between spirituality and Holy Spirit. So these people didn't know what would happen next. The, fair, the, the rabbis say that various of them interpreted it. Some said that the seven was that he was going to have seven daughters, but they, were, the, the, they would live and then they would die. Wow. And other people, some other rabbis say that, that he, he was told by these magicians that he would win seven battles, seven nations, but then he would lose seven battles and seven nations. So these are the kind of conflicting advice that Pharaoh was given. And he's worrying more and more. Listen, if your God starts to worry, that's a sign that he's not God. The real God knows what's going on. I've heard on TV more than ever recently, especially with regard to Brexit and all of this deal or no deal and all these different kinds of things, what's going to happen. Some people seem to make, us, make it seem as if they know what's going to happen and then other people will just admit it and they'll use this phrase, they'll say, well, God knows what's going to happen. I've heard that quite a few times, maybe you have too. And I nod when I hear it and that's why we have to pray for our nation and for the nations because actually God does know. Who makes crops? who grow or who makes economies rise and fall, who makes empires and nations and leaders and who makes, who makes people prosper, who can be trusted, who do you trust to look after you, who can you trust, who can make sense of the whole of our lives, 
Or are we like Pharaoh? Are we ourselves God? Are we trying to make it all work ourselves, especially perhaps in the area of finances? Imagine how much those who, like, who lead us right now would love to know what's going to happen in the economy for the next 14 days or 14 months, let alone 14 years. How are you preparing for the next seven years between now and 2026? What's going to happen? If you're still here, how old will you be in 14 years in 2033? And how will your finances look then? God knows. What will the economic picture look like then? God knows. How can you partner? Who can you partner with who will help you as you think about all those kinds of decisions? Who is it wise to invest with? What's it wise to invest in? God, because God knows. We were recently, I was at the Fuse, and uh, just before Christmas, a lady in the, uh, stood up and she told a story about how the various things had happened financially, and uh, she's, she'd given me permission to share this, that, that she was worrying about, about Christmas and how they were going to be able to manage, because she wanted to give presents and didn't have enough money, that she wanted to be able to give some presents, to give away. This wasn't about getting, it was about giving. And now she prayed about it, and then unbelievably, an envelope came through the door and she said she'd heard about this happening before but it was just enough to do what she needed to do and so when I heard this testimony that she gave I said I'd love it if we as a church at the fuse that day just gave her the money so that her and her family would be able to have a great Christmas and that they'd also be blessed as they were a blessing and um, and so the we, we gave and people gave generously into that and last time I went to the fuse I spoke to her and she came up to me and she said I just need you to know the, the, the money that I prayed for that I needed the exact amount of money that I needed to give away that happened to be and I'm not told anybody the exact amount of money that came in the envelope and then when everybody in the church just came up and people were just going up and, and giving her the money and kind of pouring it into their lap effectively. So I got home and we counted it and guess how much it was? It was exactly the same amount of money that had been given in the first envelope that a whole group of people together gave to bless them. God knows. God knows our needs. God's in charge. So notice Joseph's answer when Pharaoh said, I hear you know. I hear you know about dreams. I hear you're really wise and you can figure it all out. You know, you know stuff. Joseph said no. It's not me, but God. God knows. God is the one that we can go to. He, see, he's 30 now. Maybe he's looked back over the previous 13 years where he's been a slave as a result of being sold out by his family. And he recalled all the ways God blessed him, and we've seen it, that he was in these different places, and he keeps coming back, but God. But God was with him. But God prospered him. But God gave him success. He recognised God has never abandoned him. God's been with him all the way through. Maybe that's why when he came, they came to his cell and said, the king wants to see you now, get ready, he said, okay, but I need a shave first. I'm not going to go and see the king like this. I need fresh clothes. I need a shave. I'm going to look good. Get me my shaving kit because I'm not coming back here. My dream's about to come true. The dream that God gave me is going to come true. And I believe I'm not coming back here. Suddenly Joseph finds himself, his days changed and now he's in front of the richest, most powerful man in the whole world. Pharaoh's dynasty is huge and you know what, it, it was longer, the Egyptian uh, empire, than Rome and Greece combined and there he is seated on his throne but Joseph looks at him and says, sir with the greatest respect, you know you're not God, don't you? And your dream is showing you that, otherwise you wouldn't be having a slave giving you advice here. And, and, and you wouldn't be looking so worried as you sit there right now. So 
he says, you, you're not God because you don't really know what's going to happen for the next day, the next 14 days, never mind the next 14 years, but God knows and God is showing us and now he's going to give us a plan to be able to prosper despite all those things that are going to happen in the economy. And that's the point of our first church offering, is to say, with regard to our financial future, I trust God no matter what, no matter what happens. And I could hazard a guess, I could tell you some of the dreams that will come out of the kind of ministries that could take place here, in this room and in all these other rooms as, as we invest money that you give and 80% or so of what comes into First Roots is going to be about this, to, to make this a space, uh, to connect well with the community and communities from it. We can use it for all kinds of conference things, for training, we can use it for alpha courses, marriage courses, uh, we, we could do community outreaches. I'm dreaming big. Of, we're talking to partners, various other people, as well as obviously the sports connections that are here with other organisations like somebody who works with vulnerable adults. And I could dream about conferences and I can tell you about you know, weddings that we can do here and, and all kinds of, yeah, even services. We can even do church services here. But for me, this is not just about who gets to do what on a Sunday because all of the rest of that can be worship. But if you give and if you help this happen, how many people are you going to be a part of helping who will receive everlasting hope? How many generations will be changed in the next 125 years? God knows. I hope by grace to see it from heaven, unless the Lord Jesus has taken us all and come in glory before that. But maybe one way to look forward is to look back. Think about what happened in the economy, not just for the last 14 years, but the last 125 years. And I'd love to call maybe the new pavilion or a room here or something, the Brockbank Pavilion or the Brockbank Room, to honour a young man of God who heard the gospel when he was at Cambridge, he came back home to Didsbury and he started a Bible study group to reach ordinary working people that became Ivy Cottage Mission Hall. He never looked for a title, never called himself a pastor, he just lived to find ways to help people find their way back to God. And increasingly his life became about how could he plough his resources more and more into that cause, into the only thing that will last for eternity, into salvations. Oliver Brockbank made a partnership with God in his business and when he did what God told him to do with his money, God kept on blessing him and he kept on blessing him and blessing him to be a blessing and he built and paid as you probably know for the whole Didsbury site nobody knows how much it cost but it was done beautifully it was done the best it could possibly be done at the time and that's how we want this to be we want it to be a wow we want it to be something that honors God by its excellence and generosity how many people have come to faith in that building in Didsbury since then God knows how many will in the future there and through the other sites that by his grace we've planted so far God knows. How many men, women and children have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ because he obeyed Jesus' call to invest in that kind of future? God knows. How many around the world, when you think of the church you started, the leaders raised up, the ministries that have been launched so far, how many of you have benefited? We've benefited so much from his generous legacy, even up until recently to help us to buy the lease on this building. What a legacy. As the end of his life approached, he actually realised he was not just going to put his money into some trust. That would, that would, he, he wanted it to be used for things that would benefit the kingdom of God. And so that's why we've got the deeds for this plot 125 years on. Now, do you think Oliver Brockbank, who is now, according to Hebrews, part of a great cloud of witnesses, do you think, he's, as his cheering goes on, do you think he's wishing, oh, I wish I'd bought new, more, more socks? 
I wish I'd bought myself nicer clothes. I wish I'd bought myself a car. I wish I'd bought myself a bigger house. He could have done all of those things. Do you think he has any regrets now about any of that that he spent? He saw beyond the cows and the corn and the currency fluctuations, something bigger that was going on. And he wanted to be a part of that. And that's the heart every year behind our first fruits offering. It's always a chance at the start of a year to pick your God and to, to, do, to do that, to, to look at whether you're going to be ruled by financial fears or, or, you know, and that's why we never talk about a target in terms of this. It's going to cost a few hundred thousand pounds for us to do this book brilliantly. Um, when you think about some buildings costing millions and millions of pounds, it's actually an incredible story of how this has been provided so far. This is a deeply spiritual issue though for, for you to be able to pray and think about. It's not about faith rate, fundraising, it's about faith raising. And we don't ask because it will help us to do this, although of course it will. We're asking you to invest in this and in other great projects that will happen. We're, we're talking about the possibility of helping to get a 24 seven um, prayer um, building happening here in Manchester and God knows what else in 2019. But we've been able to do so much over the years because people have given generous, generously and sacrificially over and above what they might normally give to Ivy as the first fruits, and we thank you so much for that. But have a look at your envelope now. Hold it tight. Have a look at it. And if you say you know who God is, who you serve, talk to him about this. This week, ask him, what do you want me to invest? Listen to him. Do you trust him to take care of your needs? You can. He's inviting you to partner with him. Maybe you could even write a pledge on there. Write pledge on it in big letters and, and give what you can next week. But maybe you could say, in addition, maybe write on the back, over and above in the next six weeks, what I would normally give to my usual giving for this project, I'm going to trust God and give what? God knows. Talk to him about it. God knows what you've got and he knows what you give. God knows and he sees. And even though he gave it you all in the first place, when you give back to him, he always says thank you. You put a smile on your father's face by doing that. So you can be somebody who gives generously and sacrificially, confident in the God who knows your dreams for your life and can make them come true because he gave you to them in the first place, but also as a way bigger dream about what he can do through your life. And you know in the Bible that the, the, it's, money often gets talked about as being like seed, and seeds that are thousands of years old have been planted in the right place and they sprouted. I even read something about Tutankhamun's tomb that they found some seeds, they put flowers on his face as an offering because they thought he was a god, and some seeds around him and they buried them and thousands of years later apparently somebody took them and put some of those seeds at the banks of the Nile and they put them in the right place and when they planted them in that place, guess what? They grew. Trees and vegetation grew because seed isn't meant to just be held onto or offered to a false god. It's meant to be put into the right place and it will flourish and it will grow. I read in my daily readings today about Isaac. He said he sowed in the time of famine. You know, everybody else was saying this, this is no time to invest. And he invested and God was able to bless him a hundredfold and all everybody else around him saw that blessing and they were amazed. See, you get to choose what you sow your seed in. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Notice it says he'll increase your seed, not your crop. I can think, well, if he increases my crop, then I'll start to sow some more seed. It doesn't work like that. He's giving you seed. You decide what you do with it. In the parable of the sower, some falls on the path 
gets eaten up by the birds. Some of it gets burned up because it's got no root. It's here today and gone tomorrow. I know what that feels like with some of my money. Some seed, it says, falls among weeds and that's like stuff you buy and you just worry about it. It chokes out the fun, even though you've bought it. Even billionaires aren't necessarily happy. They've just got more to worry about. But then Jesus says, there's some place you can sow where it will yield a crop 30, 60, 100 fold. You can sow where it will grow because you partnered with the God who knows. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.